People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello, and welcome to Don't Break the Oath. How the devil are you all? Indeed, I am Lee. And I'm Andy Macker. You're very welcome. Indeed. Welcome to the show. So today we will be announcing the t-shirt competition winners. Yep. That's the Patreon one and the one that's open to everybody. Yep. <clears throat> I myself are trying to... Uh, well, I'm in the process of purchasing a new microphone uh, because this one's... Mm, not work, really working for me. Yeah, um, I think it could be a voice, mate. You know? Yeah, I think it's my voice is just terrible. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I am starting a new uh, drive for that. So if you if you wanted to buy a t-shirt or you wanted you was in the t-shirt competition, you didn't win the didn't win the t-shirt, and you do want a t-shirt, if you buy one now, that month that fund will be going towards the new microphone. New microphone. So just to let you know, no no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> So um, that's the begging out of the way. That's the begging. Let's out crack the way, on yeah. with the show. So um, obviously today we're going to be talking about. Uh, well, it's called uh, it's the Sigmund Adamski case, which we did cover briefly on uh, one of the episodes that we had on when we had the Wattcast on. We sort of mentioned it in brief. So we're going to go in a little bit more detail today on the case. Now it's a UFO linked case, but there's no real evidence for a ufo is there i no, think i think no. um i think the ufo link really comes from alan godfrey who attends the scene and has his own ufo account so we'll get into a bit of that as well um but before we get into that i just wanted to say that um i don't know if i told you this but i got refused service why and not that kind of service no oh, right okay but uh, no i was in a shop and i, I don't know if this has happened to anybody else but i was in a shop went down the drinks aisle and this woman came through with them big fucking prams, you know, the the, the wheels on the outside, ah, four yeah, wheels, yeah. that fucking. Yeah, yeah. And she comes down and she clatters me, bang, right, right in my back, right. <clears throat> so I turn around, I says, uh, and she said, oh, sorry, you know, I said, yeah, all right, no worries. So I moved to the side, get me a drink, goes into the next aisle, you know, the pie aisle, and I'm looking at the pies and the pastas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, bang, she clatters me again. Now, second time, I'm thinking, come on, you know what I mean? I said, so I turned around to her and I said, look, you know, that's twice now. And she said, oh, I'm just getting used to this. You know, it's new. I've just only just got it like, not, well, presumably the, the baby, you know what I mean? She didn't find it. But um, yeah, she said, I'm just, anyway, so I, I let it go, let it go. So I goes to the queue and we're queuing. Um, there's like a little thing where you have to queue around this corner. So I'm stood there, queuing there, and there's like all these kids buying 50p's worth of sweets and that. So they're in front of me, and I'm just stood there minding my own business. Bang! She hits me again, right, right oh. on my ankles. Well, you know I'm the Achilles. Do you think she was trying to get your attention? Well, I don't know. What I give her my attention? I tell you. So I turned around and I said, "Look, you're taking a piss now." Mm. She said, "What?" I said, "That's three fucking times." Yeah. I said, "You just now that fucking hit as well." I didn't tell her that, but I said, that, "You know." And she said, "Um, well, yeah, I'm sorry." And the cashier said to me, "You can't speak to her like that." I said, "She just..." She just clattered me three times with this pram. Anyway, she said, well, if you don't apologise to her, I'll refuse to save you. Joke. Yeah. I would have done. Well, I know what I did. I just put my fucking shit on the counter. So that was it. So I just... Uh, yeah, just put my shit on the counter. 
and walked out. Refused service. I got refused service because someone crashed into me. So if that lady's listening, you owe me a pasty. <laughs> <laughs> and me beers. Yeah, well, no, I was, I was at work when I saw. Oh, right. it was just a pasty. Anyway, let's get on with a t-shirt competition. Yes. So we'll do the uh, non-Patreon one first. Well, you can dig that one out, mate. Yeah, you sure, can yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah this will. Okay, here we go. Ready, 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 ready. We haven't got really one of the machines that does it, so this is uh, by hand. Yeah, this is the old-fashioned way. Te- old-fashioned. Tear up paper in a hat. Yeah. And let's pull one out then. Right, and what have you got there? The mate? lucky winner is... Your, did, 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 I can't did, read did, your. Did. I can't read your writing. Well, me can't read my writing. It's crap. Good the mate. lucky winner is. It's Chelsea Anya, Anya. Yeah, Chelsea and Anya. Chelsea Anya. So we'll be in touch. Congratulations to Chelsea. Well done. I will be oh. in touch. I mean, it is a t-shirt competition, but obviously the shop does other things. So of course, yeah. If you, if you want something else. Obviously, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch with you anyway. Right, so that's that one. So, do you want to do the Patreon exclusive uh, okay, one? Then. Dig out. Can you pick up the. the uh, yep. Because uh, I'm going to do a bit of shuffling, shuffling. Number order, aren't we? Hey. Go on then. Right. You tell me the number and I'll tell you who it is. Right, number. Number five. Five. Two, three, four, five. Would be. Dylan Robinson. Dylan Robinson. Dylan Robinson. So, congratulations, uh, Dylan. Indeed. And we'll be in touch with you, sir, to see what you would like. Of course. So that's that out of the way. Obviously, like I said, if you want to buy a T-shirt, just go to the website and uh, or a mug. If yeah. You want to buy a mug? I don't know. Uh, I know Hillbillies have been selling uh, shower curtains, haven't they? Yeah, well, actually, it looks really, really good. Have you yeah. seen it? No, no, I haven't. No. Yeah, it does. But you can you can buy a shower kit, and I'm not saying buy a shower kit. I'm just saying you can. But uh, anyway, Zygmunt. So this takes place in 1980. Okay, which is uh, well, it's an incredible year for UFO yeah. events in the in it the is. UK. It was it was, a, it was a pretty significant year. Yeah. obviously culminating in uh, Rendlesham. Yep. which most people are familiar with. But this fellow himself, Zygmunt Adamski, was a Polish immigrant, and he came over in 1945. He married his wife Lottie, uh, you know, shortly thereafter. She was also a Polish immigrant that came over in 1951. Now Adamski himself worked down the coal mines at Lofthouse Colliery. I think he was working at the time of his death. And he was 56 when he died. Now. There's a little bit of like um, depression associated with this, and a lot of people sort of look to that as if is it he almost killed himself. But we'll get into that. Yeah, um, well, we know he didn't. It's well, impossible. Well, yeah, for, the circumstances well, don't seem to make sense. No. So events really start on June the sixth, okay? And Adamski and his wife and some family members go out for a meal. Now, this takes place in Tingley, okay? Uh, and it was a happy time because on June the 7th, which is the following day, his goddaughter was getting married. And okay. so it was a special occasion for all the family. Yep. It's going to be a big feast and all the rest of it. So we get back from the meal and he, he says to his wife, right, we need some supplies for the big feast tomorrow. Uh, I'll go out to the shop, local uh, grocery, uh, grocery shop like, and uh, pick some supplies up. 
not a problem. Not nothing going out the ordinary, okay? Okay. So he sets off to the shop. Uh, coincidentally, he meets a neighbour on 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 route to the shop, and they have a good chit chat and that for a few minutes. And the neighbour later, you know, questioned by the police, she she, she the neighbour says like he, he was full of beans. He was happy. Um, he, told, he was excited about tomorrow, yep. the wedding and that. Um, nothing seemed out of the ordinary at this point, as far as she was concerned. Okay, so but then he goes missing. Okay, so his wife doesn't hear from him that night. Right. Uh, and then the, the, for the, the, the next few days, and it, uh, that was on the... So he went missing on the 6th. On the 11th, he's found, his body's found. Uh, unfortunately, he was deceased at the time. But it was on top of a coal heap or a right. slag heap, is what slag they say. Heap, yeah. Um, now, the body was facing skyward, so he's laid on his back. Yep. At the top of this coal uh, heap. Now, the coroner estimated that his body was placed there between eleven fifteen and one fifteen uh, in the evening. Okay. Yep. On the June eleventh, which is the day he was found. Now, some things to point out about his body itself is that he was only showing one day's worth of beard growth. Okay. And he'd been missing at this point for five days. So whether he'd been shaving in between, uh, you know, is anybody's guess. But it's strange, you know, mm. that he yeah. would only have one day's worth of uh, beard growth. The The yard where he was found was actually locked between those times. Yeah. The, the coroner saying that, you, you know, he was a, the, the actual yard itself was locked. And the other strange thing about the body itself and the location is that it was in Todd Morden, uh, which is twenty odd miles away from Tingley, where he actually went to the, went to, where he lived and yep. went to the shop and was in Tingley. So that's twenty miles away. So this is Wednesday, the eleventh of June, nineteen eighty. It was pissing down, um, which again plays into the, the fact that there was no um, coal or soot, if you like, on his hands mm. on the front of his. Uh, cloven. Right. So if he got himself up the slag heap, it's impossible to get up there without uh, touching it. Basically, yeah. You'd have you'd be full of coal dust. Um, but also, you, you, I mean, it's very, very, very hard to get up a coal heap anyway. You try to climb up one, it just well, yeah, keeps, it's it like down, down. It's yeah. like screen. Yeah, it's like yeah. trying to climb marble. Yeah, isn't it? But, yeah you would get up it. I mean, you can do it, but this guy was fifty-six. I mean, yeah. he, obviously, he was a miner, so he was yeah. he was in decent nick. Yeah, because um, you have to be physically strong, don't you, to be a miner? But he he um, he was fifty-six at the time. Now, the <clears throat> one of the theories is that he he climbed up there himself to he was disorientated, so he climbed up the coal heap to get a better view of his surroundings now it it sounds a bit ludicrous to me because I, i've been to todd Morden and, mm. and it is just everywhere you look it's a hill yeah you know so why you climb a coal heap is, is but beyond the place me. was closed as well wasn't it the place was shut. well that's the other thing you couldn't get in there that's it so uh, unless he was already in there when they shut the gates and then he and then he, so i don't know it was the guy who actually opened the yard who found him yeah yeah so his body was already there so yeah, just uh, on the on the fellow who found him, uh, Trevor Parker. He was the the son of the guy who owned this colliery. Okay. Uh, and he 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 told the police like that because uh, he called the police and when they came, he, he was the one who told them like you know he did his rounds about eight in the morning after the last wagon was in uh, gone loaded and gone and he did his rounds and he he said he would have seen if he was up there then he would have seen because the police couldn't couldn't understand that. How he could have only just appeared there because he was soaked through. Yeah. Um, 
And obviously Trevor himself, when he did his rounds and spotted him on the second second lot of rounds, you know, he said, oh, you know, there's no way he could have got in the yard and got up there without even seeing him. So that's kind of where this you know UFO connection sort of comes in because people say, well, did he just drop from the sky? Um, but on the condition of Adamski himself when he was up there, the the, the attending officer was a guy called Alan Godfrey, which we'll get into, yep. um, uh, you know, in the second part. And he said that when he found him, he had an expression on his face of just sheer horror. Okay. Now, yep. obviously, if the coroner later <coughs> points out that it's possible that he died of a heart attack. So you could, you know, maybe possibly mm, yeah. link the face with the heart attack. But the body itself, it was he was wearing his suit. Like he went out to dinner room, although his shirt was missing and his watch had gone. Um... So, you know, again, just just strange. Mm. Um, the coroner, obviously, Zygnum himself had, had a few health issues. Um, he had bronchitis, or heavy bronchitis, uh, chronic bronchitis, because you know, of his smoking habit. Yep. And obviously working in the coal industry didn't yep, exactly help. Course. Wouldn't have helped that. Uh, but he, he did have a heart condition as well, but although at this point he'd not had an heart attack, uh, you know, up until this point, yeah. because he said the coroner possibly said it was a heart. It could have been a heart attack that killed him, but before that, he not had, had one. Um, now, the suicide aspect of this, because, like, I say, a lot of theories sort of point to him being suicidal at the point, and this is because he'd asked the Lofthouse Colliery if he could take early retirement because his wife was suffering from. A lot of his wife was suffering from multiple sclerosis, right? Uh, and she was uh, health was failing, so he wanted to take early retirement to look, to, after. To look after her. Yep. Uh, and the coal mine, for whatever reason, uh, denied him early retirement. So people said there was a bit of depression there, which is understandable. Yeah, of course it is. But yeah. the fact he was trying to get early retirement to look after his wife, yep. then then he goes and kills himself. Don't really add up. No. Um, you know, so that's where that comes in. But like I say. The coroner he points out that the um, oh yeah the, the actual the, when he was take you know take a bad look to him he had burns on his head uh, neck and upper shoulders now in places the, the the first top layer of skin had been completely removed there was a burn mark on the back of his neck which the coroner himself said had been there maybe up to three days prior to his body being found yeah and there was a an ointment on top of that which you no know, started a healing process if you like. Uh, and this particular ointment was like a green substance. Yep. Uh, and the coroner tested it and couldn't find a match. Right. Also, because this this substance is unknown. Hmm. Um, now, the coroner himself, he did point out... He did point out that if somebody said to him there was a UFO connection to this case, he said it would only raise one eyebrow. Okay. So, it's a bit of a... A strong statement for a coroner to make. Well, he, also, he's, he's found some things in there that are, are very interesting. He, he can't... Uh, he can't... Uh, explain. Under- explain. Yeah. Understand it. So that's... Um, that's the Sigmund Adamski case. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I say, so you've got a few sort of strange factors there, which even up to today, really, have never really been explained fully. No one can explain... You know how he got up there because obviously 
if you say he was murdered and then you know, then two people carried him up there. I mean, why would the camera have got a coal? Well, exactly. Coal I mean, you're not. There's plenty of places to to hide a body on top of a coal leaps. Not yeah. not the not the, not even the in the top hundred places you think of, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The watch sort of shows maybe a robbery. You could then you could say, well, you know, he's robbed. So, obviously, you take the watch. It's possible. Like it is possible. I guess that he he was robbed for his watch. Although, why did he remove his shirt and put his jacket back on? Yeah, but where's the wounds come from? The burn marks and... Well, yeah, because then you're looking at torture. Now the KJB get involved in some of the theories. Nah, people say um, the KJB... Right, we should just... I said, do you see that? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, the, the police... It's... As far as the police uh, investigation is concerned, they could they basically ruled out him having any enemies. Yeah. Uh, he was well-liked by all, all the people that knew him. He was well-liked. And they couldn't find any links to any enemies anywhere, so they're just as uh, perplexed as as everybody else. If it is a uh, UFO abduction gone wrong, and they've tried to put some that that stuff that they couldn't trace, uh, ointment or whatever, but he died on their craft. Mm. So obviously they just went there to do a bit, few experiments, be and there. Um, and then he freaked, and maybe his heart had. And they, but the, the, my thing on that is, where did his bit? Why would he have burn marks everywhere? Yeah, I mean, unless they was doing experiments, and he, and he and he just his heart gave out, you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, him, him, if this you if it's an abduction, and they have got quite a bit of technology, why dump him on the coal leap? Because I can't understand that. Why not put him somewhere else? Well, yeah. Why on the coal leap? It doesn't make, make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you know, they want, you know if if if, he, if it's an experiment gone wrong and he died on the ship or the craft or whatever, you know, surely they'd maybe just say they won't put him back anywhere. They just get rid of him, and they'd be just down as a missing person, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, and they could, you know, like you say, they could just drop him in the street or in a park or anywhere. Really. Yeah, on a bench. Why leave him there? Uh, don't but, make it. Don't make no, it. Does sense, it? Does no, it? I mean, but, I mean, the UFO connection. Um, if you like, obviously. The Alan Godfrey part, yeah. which we'll get into. There's a link there, but I think it was the Mirror, the Sunday Mirror, uh, got hold of this case, uh, and it was widely publicised in the UK. And I think their headline was, uh, Zygmunt Adamski has been abducted by a UFO and killed by aliens. Um, well, so, you know, that's that's kind of where the connection comes in. Well, once the media gets all of it, it goes in a frenzy anyway, don't it? Yeah. I, I blame everything on aliens anyway, you know. Well, you know, the coroner, like I say, the coroner's ruled out suicide. Um, well, I mean, the place was locked up anyway, so how would he get in? If he was in, you know, um, strange. Well, the the area itself, Todd Morden, gets a hell of a lot of sightings. That, yeah. I mean, the Pennine area of Yorkshire, that's where it is, that's what they're talking I mean, about. I, I know when I was a young a young lad, you know, some cold places down here, and the massive coal, you know, the coal heaps, mm. I, I've tried to climb on them. And you, you know, every time you just can't climb it. No, it, it just comes down. Every time you just, you know, you, you take a step, it comes down. So steps come down. Well, um, that takes a hell of a lot to get to the top. Well, if the, you're quick, like, and you've got to be quick. Like I say, the the, the, the Pennine area um, gets is is, is shitloads of sightings of UFOs. All yeah, of, of even course. now, yeah, hotspot. Uh, it's hot one spot. of the hotspots for the Black Triangles at the moment. Yeah. Which are possibly man-made, but that's another story. But it's, it is, it is, and it's still, and even back in nineteen eighty, it was a hot spot. Yeah. So I mean, like I say, we'll get into the Alan Godfrey now, and uh, yeah, you'll see that there's a couple of people see what he sees. So 
very interesting this right this is from um uh the ufologist jenny randalls this is her case she she did a decent write-up of this she did this is her write-up of the alan godfrey abduction this was in november 28th 1980 um In November and December 1980, the eastern side of Britain was experiencing a major UFO sighting wave, again, which we know. There were chases of UFOs by police cars near the coast, a UFO that overflew an oil rig in the North Sea, and the wave culminated in the famous events on the East Anglian coast as Rendlesham Forest. Right, just a month before these uh, landings, uh, uh, besides these, NATO air bases, one of the most impressive alien abduction cases took place in a small um, Pennine Mill town of Todmorden, West Yorkshire, known uh, is in the centre of Britain's most active window area, known locally as UFO Alley. UFO Alley, yep. Of course. Police Constable Alan Godfrey was on patrol on the night of the 28th of November, 1980. Just before dawn, he drove along Burnley Road on the edge of Todmorden looking for some cows that had been reported missing. Again, this is coming, isn't it? Cows go missing, these yeah, uh, cattle yeah. mutilations, and yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, they were only found after sunup, mysteriously relocated in a rain soaked field without hoof marks to indicate their passage. Mm. Which, is, them. which is strange because yeah, of course. Yeah. there's only one gate into this field. It was a rugby pitch that was, that was found on. So there's only one way in. Yeah. And if you've got quite a few cattle moving through the gate, you've got you, gonna, they're going to churn up the ground oh, absolutely. to fuck. And, yeah. and there was no hoof marks at the entrance. It's almost like Godfrey himself, even he points out, it's almost like they just got plopped, plopped right. in the middle of the field. Uh, yeah, anyway... <clears throat> Giving up his uh, nocturnal hunt, Godfrey was about to go back to base to sign off duty when he saw a large mass a few hundred yards ahead. At first, he thought it was a bus coming towards him that took workers to their jobs in town, and that he knew, and this passed about 5am in the morning. But as he approached, he realised that it was something very strange. It was a fuzzy oval that rotated at such speed and hovered so low over the otherwise deserted highway that it was causing the bushes by the side to shake. The police officer stopped, uh, propped onto his windscreen a pad that was in the patrol car to make sketches of any road accidents, and he drew the UFO. Mm. He said that there was a burst of light, and the next thing he knew, he was driving his car again. Now we've got missed time again. We had loads of something. Yeah. Missed time. Yeah, blah, blah. <clears throat> anyway, he... Um, he then drew, uh, he was driving along, further along Burnley Road with no sign of the UFO. Two seconds. Yeah. Uh, that, just them pictures that he drew, we'll, uh, we can put them on the hangout. Yeah, we'll yeah. stick them on the hangout. Yeah. We'll put them on there. Uh, Godfrey turned around and examined the spot where the UFO had hovered. Uh, the road was very wet as had been rained heavily early in the night. But just at this, just at this one location was a circular patch where the roadway had been dried in a swirled pattern. Only when only when back at the police station did he realise that this was a little later than he had expected, although any missing time was probably no greater than 15 minutes from estimates later taken on the site. Mm. Concerned as to possible ridicule, uh, Godfrey at first chose not to make any official report, but changed his mind later that day when he discovered he was not alone. After breakfast that morning, a driver who had been on to, been on Burnley Road three miles further out 
at Cliverca reported seeing a brilliant white object and con contacted the Todmorden police. The time matched that of Alan Godfrey's. Furthermore, a p police patrol from an adjacent force in Halifax had been engaged in a stakeout for stolen motorcycles on the moors of the Calder Valley and had witnessed a brilliant blue-white glow descending into the valley towards Todd Morden. Mm, and that's that's police officer John Porter who's on record. Yep. He was, he was the guy who, he's on record as saying he saw it too. Yep. And there, this... was a, there was another fellow just up the road, a uh, caretaker of a local school, uh, Leonard Smith, and he was locking up for the night. Right. And he, he observed the light, uh, and then it, when he later heard about Godfrey's sighting, he yeah. realised it was it was exactly where Godfrey would have been at the time. Yeah. Um, and he, he describes exactly the same, a, a steely blue, you know, a steel blue light, just, you know, diamond shaped in the sky. Yeah. So, so anyway, all these uh, all these stories uh, reached Todd Morden Police Station. So they formed a second match of what all these stories then were collaborated, put together. Um, right. Encouraged by this news, Godfrey filled in an official report, but was surprised when police checked. Um, right. Encouraged by this news, Godfrey filled in an official report, but was surprised. Uh, when police chose to release the story to the lo local newspaper for the following week. From here, ufologists discovered the case and a lengthy investigation was mounted by a Manchester-based UFO group. Although Alan Godfrey had no further conscious recall of the missing time, he did have increasingly confused memory of the sequence of events surrounding the sighting, with an unexplained image of seeing himself outside the car during the sightings. Well, we've had this before, haven't we? Yeah. We've had it. It's weird how people say that, where they see themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's like an, almost like an out-of-body experience, but that's one of your things, isn't it? You yeah. think like, when, when aliens take yeah, people, they, they, they take your astral body rather than your physical that's body. That's correct, yes. Because I think these alien uh, beings or... Uh, the, I mean, I'm not going about the true ETs, I'm going about the low astral or the ones that abduct people. I mean, I know that they are on different, uh, they want a different frequency, they want a different vibration. That's why you, get, you see a UFO, it'll blink in, blink out. It'll go through the, you know, the vibrations. Um, and I think, that, you know, this physical body it won't take that. I think they take the astral body. Anyway, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this, there was also loads of puzzling physical evidence, and he, he just couldn't, he couldn't understand it. His police issue boots were split on the sole, as if he'd been dragged along the floor and they had caught on something, which he didn't recall this. Yeah. He also reported a previous history of seeing other strange things and having experienced at least one earlier time lap, time lapse as a youth. Factors that ufologists have come to recognise as common with abduction cases. Yeah. It seems to have like um, if you've done if it's happened once, generally it'll happen again yeah. and again and okay. again. Yeah. Uh, when um, when sure all that conscious testimony had been recorded, Godfrey agreed to be hypnotically regressed by a Manchester psychiatr uh, psychiatrist eight months after the incident. He eventually had several other sessions with different therapists, and his recall in later sessions were was also videotaped. The doctor, ref the doctor refused permission to the UFO group for the first session to be recorded. The hypnotic testimony is very odd and Godfrey was never to be sure what really happened. 
Under regression, he told of the bright light stopping the car engine, causing his radio and police handset both to be filled with static and then to be swamped by blinding light as he lost consciousness. His next recall was of being inside a strange room, more like a house than a spaceship, complete with a most unexpected large black dog. That's just strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dogman. I think one of the I'm best... Not go into that. <laughs> one of the things he said under hypnosis was that um, it, it, there was... An, there was uh, a physical examination given to him by two non-human entities, one tall and handsome, right. the other small and ugly. Oh, right. Uh, and then, obviously, he was told to forget the incident, and then that's when he was put back in his car. Ah, right. Okay. We're going to play... We're going to play some of his regression. Yeah, we're going to play some of that for you. Listen to he's He's got some, some of the uh, stuff on there. It's fascinating. Um, right. Um, he was studied by a heavily bearded man who telepathically conveyed that his name was Yosef and whose clothing was very biblical in nature. Assisting Yosef were several small robot-like creatures the size of a five-year-old lad and with a head shaped like a lamp. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, doesn't it? They are reminiscent of the greys of UFO lore although with major differences. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Godfrey was supposedly asked questions, told that he knew Yosef, and was promised a later encounter, but apparently he was not subjected to the more familiar indignities mm-hmm. of abduction stories, especially from the US. He wasn't probed. No, that only right. happens to Americans. Yeah, such as bodily fluid samples and rectal probes. <laughs> yeah, he missed out then, didn't he? Well, yeah. <clears throat> Although there were periods of missing memory, the hypnotic recall that did emerge was a curious hybrid of mythical images, UFO case elements and dreamlike sequences. Well, yeah. When asked his opinion as to the reality status of this hypnotic testimony, Alan Godfrey was refreshingly honest. He told me he was certain that the UFO encounter was real, but he could not determine whether the story offered by hypnosis was a dream, a fantasy, reality, or a mixture of all three. Unhappily, Alan Godfrey suffered terribly after this encounter. When I first wrote up the investigation, just before the regression hypnosis began for Flying Saucer Review magazine in 1981, I deliberately changed his identity to help protect him, although this was probably futile because the story had already been featured in the local press under Godfrey's real name. However, despite my refusal to assist them, a tabloid reporter traced a witness and devoted a front-page banner headline article to the story, read by millions over the Sunday lunch, Mm -hmm. which led to the officer being called to explain himself before his superiors. He was forced to undergo medical investigation to determine his status, but was pronounced psychologically fit and healthy. Mm -hmm. Yet, after some years feeling that he would never be allowed to forget his sighting, he took advice to honourably resign over a unrelated physical injury occurring during an incident in which he bravely intervened to avert a crime. Hmm. You so, see, th- that's something to point out, because he was, <clears throat> he was actually injured in the line of duty, yeah. and one of the medical 
uh, staff actually told told him that he'd never be able to father children. Yep. Um, and then after his UFO encounter, he actually had a son. So whether it whether they reversed it is, you know, it's yeah. conjecture in it. But well, again, you know, it's um, it's just worth pointing out. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, this Yosef. I mean, apparently, this like I said before, you know, apparently he know Yosef and Yosef know him. Yeah. So again, you know. Yeah, that's that's it's that goes going back to that um, where he's, it's probably happened in the past and you just don't recall it because you you get this. I mean, you know, I, I still don't know where I stand on abductions, but you get this sort of pattern where people have been abducted throughout the lives, yeah. and then at some point they get this like conscious recall. Yep. Um, and then they realise it's been going on the whole life, and sometimes it'll even it'll even uh, follow generations. Yep. So if you know you you love the the, the parent, then the, then the child, and then their children, you know. So it's following maybe it's following genetic blood lines or whatever. I don't know. Possibly genetic bloodlines. Possibly. It's the that just sounds like fucking bullshit to me. The genetic well, the, the genetic thing. I just don't. No, well, I I think it's mostly based on. Uh, I think uh, before you come here um, to be born in a physical body, I think you've already made. You know, you you there's you know. Uh, the real ETs, not the. Not Are you the talking one. about souls? Like soul that, families, soul yeah, soul don't, families don't exist. No, everybody exists. You, you you never stop existing. No it, souls. Souls are souls, but it, we're some we're energy. You know that's mm-hmm. it, energy. You know, I think um, yeah, these some of these sightings and these uh, ships and craft. I think they're they're real ETs from other planets, and I think we're all linked. Finish uh, your story. Yes, I am because I'm gonna. I'm not gonna waffle on. <laughs> Because you're going to believe me anyway. <laughs> no. Right, anyway. Todd Morden, before 1980, in the years since, had been a hotbed of alien contact activity with several other major encounters have been investigated, mm-hmm. including another abduction of a truck driver from Burnley Road, only a little further out of Todd Morden and on the same highway. So, these abductions... So I and actually went... And they're still happening today. I actually uh, went on that Burnley Road... Um, couple of nights ago at uh, midnight you, uh, did you stop your did you stop there and look into the skies i did and... have a look around and i didn't see much but um yeah clear skies was it overcast well, you know, that, uh, whatever reason they don't want to abduct me well maybe not, not anyway do you want to know what do you want to know what all this was caused by what scientifically speaking yeah go on then ball lightning apparently that's what the, that's what the uh you know the the higher ups, the the scientists. They uh, they believe that. This... Oh, the ones who keep the mouth shut and take yeah. the checks and have a big mansion and houses. This could all be, mm, yeah. all could be the result of this, uh, you know, basically unknown phenomenon. Ball light, not not to say it doesn't exist. It's just not been studied. Uh, ball lightning, uh, which is an extremely powerful electric electrical uh, charge caused by geological process, and obviously with it being in the, uh, the Pennines, uh, gives some sort of uh, you know license for that. But t- to me, yeah, I mean, how does a guy end up on a on a coal leap due to ball lightning? How does a guy end up seeing a spaceship in front of him? And and how does I mean the ball lightning? Yes, it could, I suppose. Dry the road, because when he went back to the scene, it was there's a circular swirl mark on that dried on the road. Well, where, that, where that, that, that will say to me anti gravity machinery. Might mm, say heat to me. It's anti gravity, isn't it? Um, well, but, uh, again, again, you know, it's 
But, you know, if people are going to be suckered up by this crap, this bullshit, mm. you know, what the scientists come out with, and half of them are paid off anyway. Half, of, half, half the scientists, right, want to tell everybody the truth. But they can't, you know, because they're going to get laughed at and they'll lose their jobs. Yeah. You know? So if people are going to want to listen to this bull crap, or is it ball lightning, then, you know. I said before, the truth will never come out. Never. You right. think it will, but it won't. Let's play a little bit of the regression then. Yeah. And then we'll come back for your joke of the week. Yeah. <laughs> About 20 foot wide. About 20 foot down. Mm-hmm. The bottom's spinning. There's some wind, isn't it? Some dark wind. There's a light coming from underneath. I'm getting back into the car. I'm going. There's a total blackness. Then there's a feeling of floating, as though either me on my own or the vehicle, whatever, is floating. Then I wake up in a room. Now, in this room, there is a very tall humanoid, if I want to a better word. He's about six foot to six foot six, very tall, thin, with a beard. He had a skull cap on and he had this white gown on. What happens then is, I'm asked to get on this bed. Now, the question's asked to me then is, how did he, you know, he wants to get there? Because I said, well, his mouth's not moving, he's not talking, it's just, he wants me to get on the bed. Obviously, whatever it was, was having some sort of influence over my thoughts. Yet, I did feel at ease with him. I felt comfortable with him. I got the impression that I'd met him before. 
I, I wasn't in fear of him or anything like that. I didn't feel in any danger. So I'm on the bed, and then these horrible little things come. They are a lampshade, Ted, with black, dark eyes. That's the best way I can describe them. And there's about seven or eight of them. Okay, so the first part's the regression tapes, and then the second part is him recalling, uh, or telling you what he recalled under under yep. regression, which is a bit more clear than the tape. So I thought I'd put that in just to make make it easier for fear. Right, let's do the paranormal news, and yes. then we'll come back to Andy's joke. I know you're all in suspense. Yeah, so am uh, I. <laughs> and so am I. Yeah. So uh, paranormal news. Here we go. Then joke. Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Paranormal News, broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. Five, four, three, two, one. Right, this is a contender for the most over-the-top paranormal footage recorded as a mum claimed she was possessed by a child spirit before her husband was apparently thrown across a room by the same ghost when he tried to comfort her. Footage intended to be chilling shows Rebecca Palmer sitting in a dark part of a haunted theatre uh, clutching an appropriately old and creepy looking doll. She is with her husband, ghost hunter Sean Reynolds, who tries to talk to her when she falls silent and bows her head. The couple's ghost hunting equipment used to pick up paranormal energy is heard making robotic noises as Sean tells the camera that this means it has found activity in the room. In scenes that could be found in a scary movie, Rebecca 34 calls out Mummy and hugs a tatty doll to her chest while looking seemingly frightened and confused. Her husband is called back into the room by panicked members of the crew and is filmed trying to comfort her before he falls to the floor captured by a panning camera. He later tells the camera that he felt he had been pushed by some force before he fell to the floor. The couple were at the New Mills Art Theatre in Stockport, Greater Manchester, filming for their paranormal investigation series after sightings of shadow figures in the 100 year old building. Rebecca from Liverpool said she could feel something different in the room as soon as she entered, but no one else could feel it. She claims then she heard a child's voice, but again, no one else could hear it. She said, I can't remember much of what happened. I remember it felt like a child, but it was all a haze. When I came came out of it, I felt like when you have been dreaming and you remember fragments, but can't piece it all together. It was quite frightening. I couldn't stop shaking and I really felt weak and drained. When we were going around the rest of the rooms, I felt the little girl was still with me, following me. I kept getting waves of how she was feeling. She was so sad. As a mum, it was really difficult knowing I had been taken over by the spirit of a child who had died. It really did affect me emotionally. 
it was really upsetting. We shall put these on the hangout. Indeed. And um, your views, please. From the mirror. Scarecrow with giant moving penis used to scare off evil widow ghosts killing women's husbands in village. Oh, indeed. Five fit and healthy young men have died in recent weeks after it is said a spirit began haunting the remote village of Nakhon Phanom in northeast Thailand. Terrified villagers are hanging scarecrows with giant moving red penises outside their homes to, in a bid to ward off the husband-killing ghost. Residents say the five fit and healthy young men had died in recent weeks after an evil widow ghost started killing their husbands in a remote village in Nakhon Phanom, East Thailand still. They believe the ghost of a local widow is terrorising the village with a population of 90 people 85 now. Yep. Uh, seduced men in their sleep, taking their spirits to the afterlife for her to have her wicked way with. But the deeply superstitious locals, I can think of another word, have found a solution by placing outside their homes scarecrows wearing red clothes, showing off their member with a painted red tip. What was a purple headed warrior anyway Ooh. some people have labeled them saying there is no man here while other blokes have been forced to wear women's clothes and makeup to bed Ooh. incredible the makeshift solution appears to have worked not a single man has passed away since the scarecrows have made which were made about a week ago now it's possible the ghosts are just absolutely pissing themselves at the scarecrows and, and not venturing so any further. So they're not riding the scarecrows no. then? Not, no scarecrows being found on its back? Relieved pensioner uh, Nong Ayu 68 said, People in the village have been very afraid of the widow ghost. There have been rumours that men in the neighbourhood, neighbouring villages have also died. Nobody knows why the village elders are afraid that young teenagers will die next. There could be no more men left here. The five deaths of otherwise healthy men started earlier this month. They have died in their sleep shortly after after having a bath and going to bed. Villagers made the straw puppets and started putting them outside their homes. They believe the large penis as a symbol of masculinity and strength will defend against the ghost widow. Or you, don't think, you don't think no, there's no... It's a bit... Just a dress, dress up for your well, party. It's, it's drawing to the scarecrows instead of the men. Obviously, we will put the pictures of these scarecrows on the hangout. Yes. A haunted house whose owner fled following a series of spooky incidents left the Sun reporter terrified after just a few hours. We told last week how Vanessa Mitchell, 37, was forced to move out with her baby son after being attacked by ghosts in their home. Thank you. Right, you're going to edit this anyway. Uh, right. Uh, our re reporter decided to try a spell at the former witch's prison called the Cage. Despite Vanessa's warnings that it is cursed, we did show this, didn't we? Mm. She said people who live here seem to die, get divorced, or go mad. Within hours, we'd been we'd seen chains rattling on the walls for no reason, heard mysterious scratching and felt sudden extreme temperature drops. 
This cottage in Centre Scythe, Essex, looks cosy from the outside, but the chills start in the entrance hall where spots of blood once appeared for no reason in front of Vanessa's horrified guests. The terror grows in the living room where she saw the ghost of a man in ancient clothes with straggly hair, but most menacing of all is, sit is the sitting area by the kitchen where up to 13 witches were chained in the 16th century. The building was still being used as a jail right up until the early 20th century. As darkness fell, a chain hanging from a wall in there started swinging, though there was no breeze. As our reporter settled down for the night, she heard scratching behind a wall. Just before midnight, the temperatures suddenly dropped to freezing and the fire spluttered and died. The investigator felt unwelcome as if she was being watched and, and after just a few sleepless hours scarpered, terrified around midnight. Well, that's another one. Didn't stay the night. Hey, should get me and Leon. Get us in. Anybody knows anything about the house? Yeah, indeed. We'll go. We'll stay the night. Not a problem. Yeah, so those videos are on, or will be yeah, shortly we'll available gonna, yeah, on the we'll hangout. Yeah, we'll put them on the, on the hangout. And that one, that fuck, that possession. See, that possession. I'm not sure. I'm not mommy, sure about that. Mammy. And the way he was kind of, he dropped, it, it, it didn't seem to me there was any force between her and him. Yeah. You know, like a, Looked like a static we, charge. You know, that's what he says, isn't yeah, it? It didn't, didn't just kind of seem to yeah. fall over. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it looks right. It looks right to me. But the possession thing, I don't believe, I, I'm not convinced... It's not, I don't believe it. I just don't. I'm not convinced. If you're pushed, you, you, you have to grab something, aren't you? Mm. you if I, if that. I, you know, if you're you're pushed and you're backing off, you you, you want to grab something. If I ever get shock, right? I think everybody that these possession things, I think it's fucking, I think it's crazy, right? I think mm. it's totally mental. So if I ever get possess, if I ever get possession, you'll know it's real because yeah. I think it's bullshit. Well, basically. Um, but anyway, that's that. And then the scarecrows. Fuck me. <laughs> well, don't yeah. don't say that. I think it was cross dressing. I think they want to dress as women. There's no excuse. Well, we did a show know. on it, didn't we? It, the yeah, we Freddy did. Krueger yeah. show where yeah. it, it's a it's a genetic thing, isn't it? That's yeah. why they die. Um, you, that's why the young men were dying. So whether that, I mean, that was in Thailand as well. I think, wasn't it? Yeah, somewhere yeah, out that the, way. Yeah. So it's possibly just that. But the scarecrows are pretty amusing. Uh, that would stop. That definitely would stop that ghost in its tracks. Looking at them. Yeah. Well, don't know. I mean, I'd maybe like to see maybe uh, a bit of footage of the scarecrow on its back or something, or faced it away or something. You know. Before. Well, I don't know. They might not like it that way. They might like it. Uh, might like it on top of something. The dildo scarecrow. So yeah, yeah could do a few of them. I bet there were some of the women went missing for the night. You reckon? Oh, yeah. I don't know, mate. Really but um, all right, this is the moment you've all been waiting, waiting for. for. Da, 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 da. And I'll do it as one roll. Oh, I know you can you do a bit, yeah, if you want to. Right, here we go then. Uh, now, <laughs> let's see if I can tell a joke better than Lee. Uh, okay, my joke was class. Again, I'm going to keep it the nuns as a nuns because it's kind of a theme because you like nuns. nuns. You got yeah, same as nuns. You done a nuns joke. I thought, well, I'm going to do a nun joke. Right. A bus full of nuns falls over a cliff, and they all die. Oh, no. They arrive at the gates of heaven, and, of course, they meet St. Peter. 
St. Peter said to them, Sisters, welcome to heaven. In a moment I will let you all through the pearly gates. But before may I, before I may do that, I must ask each of you a single question. Please form a single fire line. And all, they all form a single line. St. Peter turns to the first nun in a line and asks her, Sister, have you ever touched a penis? The sister responds, Well, there was this one time that I kind of, sort of, touched one with the tip of my pinky finger. St. Peter says, All right, sister, now dip the tip of your pinky finger in the holy water and you may be admitted. As she did so, now you can go through the pearly gates. St. Peter turns to the second nun and says, Sister, have you ever touched a penis? Well, this well, there was this one time that I held one for a moment. All right, sister. Now wash your hands in the holy water, and you may be you may be admitted. And she does so, and he lets her through. Now at this time, there was a noise, a jostling in the line. It seems that one nun is trying to cut in front of another. Saint Peter sees this and asks the nun, "Sister Susan, sister Susan, what is this? There is no rush." Sister Susan responds, Well, if I'm going to have a gargle this stuff, I'd rather do it before <laughs> Sister Mary sticks her ass in it. <laughs> that is it. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you'll laugh, Lee. The more than I do, oh, yours, mate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Think what you think, people. There, there is my joke of the week. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I've got no idea. I don't, I don't think this will be a weekly thing, but. No. Yeah, hopefully. I thought I'd keep it on the nun theme. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'll put that one out. Hopefully, people did uh, did find that mildly amusing. I thought yes, it was quite well, good. let me know. You know, is my my joke better than Lee's, or can Lee find yeah. a better nun joke than I? Than I I'm not doing any more nuns. We'll, All right, we'll get, then, get off yeah. the get off the nuns. Okay, just, we'll keep off the nuns. Ball, we'll keep, keep off the nun theme. But um, right, just a little bit of housekeeping before we go. Of course. Uh, next Saturday, we're open to do a Facebook Live. Yes. We are. Um, just a general chit chat. Uh, yeah. Or chat shit. Anybody uh, wants to come on and say hello, come and ask us some questions. Ask a question, or join yeah. in. You know, we'll ask, be online. We'll be asking you if you'll get in the pearly gates. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to the pearly um, gates. I don't want to go through the pearly gates. And then, um, obviously, we're off to Binbrook. Week after. Yeah, March 17th. So uh, From 9 at night till 2 in the morning, we'll be at REF Binbrook and we'll have all our equipment and mm. hopefully to get some uh, footage. And some good stuff that night. Yeah, and indeed. Whatever so, we get, we'll, well, we'll show. yeah, whatever we get, we'll post to YouTube. And show. Um, if anyone else is going that way, then we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely, yeah. Other than that, we will see you next week. Take care now. Well, they've gone. Though just for now, it wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back.